Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's been a hot topic here at Beautiful Savior. Billboards, right? Billboards. They seem to be popping up all over town. And it's hard not to get distracted, at least for me, probably for you too. And you might notice something weird happening with all these billboards. The neighborhood sort of fades into the background. As something on that billboard captures your attention. Congratulations, Trey. The pride of NDSU along with Carson Wentz and others who have made it to the pros, right? Captures your attention. It captures your needs. It might capture your desires. It looms larger and brighter than life. And mentally, you're filled with dreams and saying, oh, how can that product help me achieve my dreams? Whether it be the latest cell phone, right? I'm getting inundated by that. Time to upgrade your phone. The trendy new restaurant everyone seems to be raving about, but that you haven't been to yet. Sparkling fine jewelry. Boy, we hear a lot of that this time of year. The latest luxury car. These things loom large in our field of vision when it comes to billboards. We are already distracted by the earthly, sinful, fallen, broken wants of the flesh without the help of billboards. But they certainly feed our distraction and they certainly stir our dreams. The thing is, because we're always in a state of dreaming about what could be, we miss out on what's right in front of us. As we indulge our dreams and desires, we don't see people anymore. We're accustomed to driving through a busy city without seeing people. Truly seeing them. Eating in restaurants, don't really see people except for if you're, I guess, a little bit concerned about coronavirus. Standing in line at the grocery, working in our office building, even coming to church. Maybe we miss and we don't really see the people who are around us. And as we are so distracted by our sinful, fallen, broken hearts and dreams and desires, God becomes something that he really didn't intend in our lives. A servant in our self-help program. A higher power to advance our earthly lives. A heavenly genie who makes all of our dreams come true. The private fulfilling of our personal lives and our personal dreams becomes our religion and overshadows our public work and calling and living as members of the body of Christ, each with its own gift and function, each given by the Holy Spirit, each living in God's love in Christ through the church and out into the world for others, for people. Billboards. 
We need something else to grab our attention this Advent. We need a voice to call us back to what we truly celebrate as God's people. The coming of our Lord Jesus. Thankfully, tonight, we have the end of John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, vision in the book of Revelation. The disciple whom Jesus loved had seen quite astounding things. God's throne in heaven, along with the angels, the saints, the victorious lamb. Can you picture it? Probably not adequately. John had seen the seven seals, the seven trumpets, the seven censers, and all these had been poured out upon the earth. He had seen demonic hosts gathered in the depths and angelic warriors gathered in the highest heights of heaven. He had seen Armageddon, the second coming of Christ, the final resurrection, the judgment of the human race. And the book of life had been opened. And now for a moment, John gives us one last vision. And no, it's not a billboard. The city of God descending from heaven, dressed, we're told, as a bride adorned for her bridegroom. And at this point, John's visions cease. And we find him with his face buried in the earth, bowing in worship. And when he finally does speak, all he can say is, Maranatha, come quickly, Lord. That's how this vision affects its first witness, John. And John's cry becomes the cry of the church in the Advent season. It becomes her cry all year long, but it's emphasized particularly in Advent. And it's emphasized throughout the ages. Stir up your power, O Lord, and come, we pray. John's vision certainly turns our eyes toward God, toward the kingdom of God, toward other saints, toward other people in our congregation, toward other Christians, toward other people, and makes us cry for the Christ to come. But does it really do anything more than that? Is it just a fanciful wish or hope? It is not. One pastor tells the story of when he saw a nursing home absolutely come to life and just burst with joy. It was a Saturday afternoon and he was visiting a parishioner in her room at the nursing home. She was lying on her bed. He was standing beside her when all of a sudden there was this huge commotion in the nursing home, out in the hall. There's laughter and clapping and shouting and cheering. And the pastor to turn to go over to the door, and that's when he saw them. A bride and groom coming down the hall to visit the bride's grandmother who couldn't make it to the wedding. So guess what? They brought the wedding to her. That short visit of bride and groom brought the nursing home to life. When the pastor returned to his parishioner and described what he had seen, it, changed, it just changed the direction of their conversations. 
The vision of a bride and groom opened up the books of memory for this parishioner who he was visiting, whose name was Lola. And Lola began then to talk about her own wedding, vivid memories of the joy that she experienced on that day. And it was no church. It was nothing fancy. She was a war bride with a simple civil service before a justice of the peace. But it was a wedding. <laughs> and for a moment, she remembered all of those things. And she remembered that she was a bride and the joy that it had brought her. In some ways, that's how John's vision serves you and me today. How he serves the church. John is a voice from the edge. Remember we said the road to Christmas twists and turns. There's many places where we can get lost in the weeds, right? Forget where we're headed. But his Advent encounter opens the book of memory for us as well. It opens the book of memory. Of course John wants us to look forward. Of course he does. Of course he wants us to long for the future. But he also asks you, asks us, to remember our past. To remember who we are. Not individuals who are focused on our fallen, sinful, broken dreams and chasing them and realizing them and serving our own needs, even in the church, but instead of our identity as the bride of Christ, God's creation, not yet seen in all our glory, but loved nonetheless. But it's difficult. Because the not seen part is hard. When you can't see the glory of being part of the bride of Christ, as the bride of Christ, it's easy to forget who you are. And as John writes the words from Jesus to the various churches at the beginning of Revelation, we get a glimpse of what it might, like, what it might look like in the church, right? Some had abandoned their first love. Others were listening to false teaching. Some had fallen into really severe and egregious sexual immorality. Others into idleness. They were lukewarm. And God was about to spit them out of their mouth. They had forgotten who they were. Who they are. What about you? Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is dark times. As we hunker down in our homes, as we withdraw more and more and more, as we become more individually focused, more individually self-absorbed, borderline unreasonable with how we want the world to treat us, when we start to think all about me, 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 and me some more, we forget about who we are, the bride of Christ, God's own creation. And with this outlook, it's kind of like an episode of Bridezilla's. You remember that show? <laughs> She's not happy. If you ever watched an episode 
you realize that all of the brides in those episodes have one thing in common. They have forgotten one fundamental thing. You can't make yourself a bride. You can't just decide that that's the way it's going to be. Yeah, you can orchestrate your wedding, but no amount of clothing, no amount of cake, no amount of flowers, no amount of guests, you get the idea, makes you a bride. You are a bride because why? Someone loves you, that's why. Some fool <laughs> promises to love you for the rest of your life. For the rest of your life. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer. You remember. In sickness and in health. Forsaking all others. And remaining united to the other alone. As long as you both shall live. With the bridegroom even vowing to lay down his life for you. Unfortunately, nobody ever says that on Bridezilla's. <laughs> Which is why you and I need to just turn off the TV, stop looking at the billboard, stop listening to all the commercials, and open up the Bible. Open up the Scriptures, for crying out loud. Look away from the billboard. Look toward Jesus, right? Because Jesus is who lies at the heart of John's vision. It's about this foolish intimacy of God. John's vision isn't just about a bride, but about a bride and a bridegroom. The intimacy of God and his deep and abiding love for you, for me, for his church, the bride. John's vision starts with a large landscape, right? New heaven and new earth. But it kind of dwindles, it kind of narrows in focus as the vision progresses. And he takes us in to see this new holy city, this Jerusalem. And then we get closer still, right? So we get even closer. And we see the very throne of God. And we hear God the Father speak. And he says this. Behold, the dwelling of God is with his people. Without remainder. Yes, God is still with us, but without remainder. We live by sight, not by faith. God has chosen you. From before the foundations of the earth were built, before the universe was built, God has chosen you and loved you so that you might spend eternity with him, called you by the gospel, brought you into his church. In Christ, God's love is eternally wrapped up in the lives of his people. For better, for worse. And when it comes to us, it's often for worse. Though we try to turn him into our servant, into some self-help program, or become argumentative, or try to make church an individualized convenience that we can watch from the couch at whatever time we choose, and skip over all the parts we don't like, and although we don't want to get up out of bed and maybe go see other people, Although we may become, the bride of Christ might become bridezilla, fighting against him and his family. And though we do everything that we can in our power to destroy our own wedding, 
even to the point of killing the bridegroom, which they did. He still loves us. He still loves you. He still comes to you. He dies, he rises, he forgives, he loves, he lives for you. Forever. This Advent really does call us to open our eyes. Nothing that you did made you into his bride. Everything God's ever done has been done in love for you. His life, his death, his resurrection for you. And you stand now in the righteousness of Christ. Beautiful in your baptism. Beautiful in his baptism. Glorious in his grace. Resplendent in the righteousness of Christ. And he promises that he will come and reveal this to the world. What is now received by faith will be revealed in its fullness. But until that time, he has given you John's vision so that you will always remember who you are. No, check that. So that you will always remember whose you are. And that you are truly loved. Open your eyes. You are truly loved. Open your eyes to the people around you who need that love. And who need your love. You are truly loved so that you might love those people around you as well. Open your eyes to see others around you as God sees them. His bride. Whom he loves. Amen. Now may the peace that transcends all human understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.